Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. I asked Kelly if he and Tony were going to hug out there. They're such good friends. And he's got a smile. They're bumping and shoving across the way. Look at this. They're nose to nose. Now they're going to let him go. Chase and twist. Chase has his hands full, and he is what he's always been. Very, very game. And Chase doing a heck of a job with Tony Twist. Now Kelly's 192 pounds. Tony Twist is 240 pounds. So he's giving up nearly 50 pounds. I talked earlier about the talk that they had this afternoon at the house where Tony Twist lives and Kelly Chase says hey I'm not nervous about fighting you I'll fight you I'll beat you and then raise the rent <laughs> Joe Micheletti and Kem Wilson back in the day Chaser and Twister fighting here in St. Louis and uh, man there's so many great stories and Michelle one thing about those days when fighting was allowed and enforcers were allowed in the NHL is they all had personalities. They were all the most popular people on the team, and it made hockey a more charming sport. Yes, I miss fighting in hockey. I know that we see it sometimes, but the hockey that I grew up watching as a kid, fighting was just part of it. It was part of what made it great. And one of the reasons that we want to talk to Kelly Chase, we're efforting him right now, is he fought Craig Berube more than any other opponent. He fought Berube four times in his NHL career. And obviously, the Blues head coach is one of the preeminent tough guys. Seventh all-time in NHL penalty minutes. So, Craig Berube had 22 games in which he was involved in two fights. Kelly Chase, obviously, one of the mm-hmm. people on that list. <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. And, by the way, we should mention that Chaser tells great Brett Hull stories. And there's a great piece up right now at The Athletic by Jeremy Rutherford about Brett Hull and some of his stories. And I just want to relay my favorite Brett Hull story as told by people that were involved with the the team at the time. Bruce Affleck, uh, quote, at the end of the third period, it's a 2-2 game in L.A., a face-off in the blue zone, and Brian Sutter sends out his brother. I don't remember if it was Richie or Ronnie. And he goes up to Hully and says, hey, coach told me to take you off. And Hully goes, blank you, go back to the bench. Chase, (laughs) Brett is like, nope. So everyone was yelling at him, and he wouldn't turn around and acknowledge the team. Then all of a sudden, it sprung out on the left side, and he jumped on the loose puck, come around, boom, and the puck is in the back of the net. He just skates to the bench, looks at us, doesn't even let anyone congratulate him, and just goes, like we're playing overtime in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Chase joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you today, buddy? Uh, everything's terrific, and you have a lot of great Brett Hull stories, probably that you can't tell, but in terms of on-ice stories, that one to me is legendary, that he kind of calls his shot by not allowing, I think it was Richie, to replace him on the ice at the end of the third period. Yeah, he was actually, he was sitting on the bench for a while, and Brian was kind of, didn't trust them defensively, so they had tied the game up, and we were kind of playing for the tie to get to overtime, and I... I suspect he'd had enough, so that was uh, his way of telling everybody he should be on the ice. But he, he literally went right out there and just kind of did his own thing, and we were just on the bench. I remember <clears throat> James Duffy put it in his book as well, and uh, 
he kept calling me saying, hey, I can't find there's this happened. I said, well, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I was sitting on the bench. I saw <laughs> this happen. And then it dawned on me. I said, you know what, Beth, take a look and see when Dave Tomlinson uh, was up with the Blues because we called him Chopper. And Chopper says to me right after it happens, he looks at me and he goes, for real? That just happened? And I, and I, and like, he goes, does that, go, no, no. does that go on often? And I said, yeah, quite a bit. Actually. <laughs> More than you think. Like, it was kind of like, hey, we've seen this act before, you know. But, I mean, the guy just, he was just on a roll where he, he was undeniable. And I know Brian was really ready to choke him, but he, what are you going to say? He just won the game for you. So you had to just kind of just like it, you know? Unbelievable. And I love this article, Chaser, that Jeremy Rutherford has at The Athletic about these great Brett Hall stories. You have a quote in there saying that someone is saying something and watching Holy's mind operate, it's just like, this guy's going to say this. And then it just comes out. What's the most awkward situation maybe you've been in with Holy where he just said something unfiltered and you were surprised that he said it? Oh God, I couldn't begin to tell you. I couldn't, I, I've been like, I just laugh. I mean, and the, and the people that know him, you know, are, are, I, I mean, you know, there's the story of, of Roger Nielsen that was when he was trying to uh, have a power play meeting when, when Gretzky just got in town and, and Holly kept saying, Roger, put the, put the pen down. Wayne Gretzky's here. He'll run the power play, Roger. And he kept saying it. And, you know, poor Rogers is trying to get through the meeting. He's trying to ignore Brett. And, and Wayne's uncomfortable because he's such a gentleman. And then finally, Roger walks out of the room and, and Wayne says, holy Jesus, have you never heard of the saying, there's no I in team? And Holly goes, I don't know if you've been watching this franchise, but there's no team without I. <laughs> That's classic. I mean, he says stuff. It's just unbelievable. He he skated by a pass when Gretzky got here and just kept going because the pass was behind him. And Gretzky was so mad at him. He's came over the wheels. What the hell are you doing? And he goes, you're supposed to be the greatest player on the, on the planet. Put it on my tape. He didn't care. It wasn't like he was choosing between guys that he said it to. If it, if he thought it, it was coming out of his mouth. So. Chaser, we, we started this segment. We actually aired a clip of uh, your fight here with uh, with Twister when you were with Hartford. And I was telling the story yesterday when Twister got traded to Quebec and you were still here. And I guess it was like 92 or something. And it might have been right before the opener. And I, we're in that little vestibule area at the arena that was at, at Center Ice. Yeah. The, the Blues locker room was on one side. Visitors were on the other. And I remember walking in on your conversation with Twister. And as you turn around and walk away, you say, remember, you'll always be a blank and roll player. I, I loved the interaction between enforcers and especially you two. Well, we did have a good rapport because we played um, together in Saskatoon growing up and we had a really good group of guys. Like we were a tough team. And it's funny, you know, like we talk about it now. We never thought much about it, but we, and I found it out later when I was in Peoria. I never thought about how important it was that that, I'm stage of hockey to have a tough team because I just took it for granted. I grew up with all these tough guys that played in, you know, back in Saskatchewan and, and I, I grew up with them and I played hockey with them and I never thought about what it would be like to be on a team that didn't have tough guys until Twister got traded. Uh, and we were in Peoria because, you know, at that point we had, we ended up winning the cup that year, but it was a long year for me because Twister got traded and, 
it was kind of like I started thinking about those teams in Lethbridge and Regina and the teams we used to just steamroll because if you had twist on your team, you had Kevin Kaminsky, Clark's, Koshers, like we we're all on the same team. Like, you know, and and we never, and I never thought nothing of it. So I remember Jimmy McKenzie doing an interview one time and he said about Saskatoon, we won the league that year. And he said, uh, that's not a hockey team. That's a work release program. <laughs> and it, those guys were, you know, those guys were actually just the type of players you want, you know, every team needed. We just happened to have seven of them on our team. So being around Twister my whole life, I, I knew, you know, just his mindset and his, you know, he had a very clear understanding of what his role was. And, you know, the story about, about Holly when, when, when Twister got called up and they, they, they made him into a forward. I mean, he was a defenseman, you know, and, the, and he got caught early in the first game on the, on the right side of the ice and he was a left-handed shot and he got caught on the ice with, with his, uh, you know, the game happens so fast when you get called up, you don't realize you're not ready to play yet and how quick the game's going to happen around you. And, and he got the puck kind of caught in his curve and he went to flip it into the zone and forecheck. And I've only seen it happen once. And that was this time. And he actually flipped it up in the air and took off and put himself offside, which is really hard to do when you sort of think about it. It goes up in the air and you under skate underneath it and put yourself offside. You've thrown it pretty high, you know, and Holly's on the bench and he looks over at Bob Bear and he says, Bob, who the hell gave this guy a jersey? And the whole bench is like trying to hold their laugh back, you know, and he's and and uh, the next period he got a hold of like John Cordick or somebody and he beat the hell out of him and he looked back, he said, Bob, never mind. <laughs> exactly why Twister was fighting. <laughs> he saw them just big bombs coming, he was like, Oh, now I get it. <laughs> oh, it was he was just he just nonstop, man. Amazing. Well, Chaser, another guy that you've had your battles with is Blues head coach Craig Berube. We were talking about this earlier in the show. The Blues go to take on the Flyers. Give me a read on Chief as a fighter. If someone was going to fight Chief and they asked you what to expect, what would you tell him? Honest. Just, I mean, he was tough. You know, he was a few years older than me when I was in junior, so the first time we got in a scuffle, I kind of gave him a little bit of a, I just, you know, kind of just took and stuck him with my stick at the face off, and then cross-checked him. And I said, "When the puck's going to drop, we're going to we're going to go." And without a, missing a beat, he just kind of looked at me like I was a young guy, and he just looked at me and said, "Are you sure you're ready?" <laughs> and I and I was like, "Oh Jesus!" Uh, I mean, no, I wasn't sure, but I was gonna I was gonna have a fight with him. You know, so every time Chief and I had a fight, they were pretty close, and and he was a tough guy, but he didn't shy away from anybody. I mean, if you guys think about it. To play a role like that, you know, there's a saying about about that role. It's it's a hard way to make an easy living. It's extremely, and you if you pay for it now, like you pay for it at this stage of your life where you're really sore and shoulders and, and hands and whatever. But I'll tell you what, that guy never sh- shied away from one single fight from anybody, and it didn't matter if it was someone who was, you know, a real heavyweight or a you know, or whoever it was, but then to play a thousand games or more doing it, I'm telling you, that's, that's what you call, you know, that's what you call somebody that paid a price and he, and he, you know, and he loves the game of hockey. We're lucky to have him in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. man. I'll tell you what, that's just, it's a, he's, he's, he's the type of character that's built for here. And it's just awesome.
Hey, Chaser, one of the stock things we do in Sports Talk Radio is the the records that will never be broken. And we were talking about this last week. Tiger Williams, 3,971 penalty minutes. Nobody will ever come close to that. That's that's an unbreakable record, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, like now it's, you know, I mean, you know, I played, I think I had a couple thousand or close to a couple thousand probably. And, uh, and I don't think there's guys that are going to get there. So if Tiger's records, are you kidding me? No one's going to touch them. It's pretty incredible. And by the way, Baruby is seventh all time. Baruby's over 3,000 minutes, 3,149. Yeah. And th- those guys, and with the instigator penalty, Matt Rocchio made this point uh, last week, with the instigator penalty, nobody will have the opportunity to do that anymore. Well, you know, and it's just so different. Like, you can say what you want about uh, the game, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to step back and try and, you know, people contemplate the fighting stuff all they want. It's gone and it's it's moved on and there's been different eras of the game and that's just what our history is about. Um, I'm fortunate to have played when I played because otherwise there probably wouldn't have been the same opportunities for me, you know. Um, but, and and I, <clears throat> I was always just a guy that just wanted a seat on the bus. Like I, I really didn't, you know, I didn't, I wanted to just be a team guy and I wanted to be a part of it and I didn't care how I was a part of it. And so that's the life that I chose in that role. And, and there's lots of, my brother <clears throat> made a great point to me one time. It used to bother me that he was so gifted and he didn't, he wasn't playing pro and, and he could have, you know, and he said to me one time, he said, Hey, listen, I wish you'd just shut up and leave me alone about it. You know, if everyone wanted to play as bad as you wanted to play, you wouldn't have made it. You weren't good enough. And he, and he was probably right. You know, if, if everybody that was gifted, wanted to play in the NHL as bad as I wanted to play in the NHL. Well, the gifted guys would have been ahead of me if they played as, if they wanted to take that role. Uh, and guys just didn't. And it's hard for some guys to stomach. It didn't bother me for whatever reason. After about the age of, I don't know, 20-some, I just I just played. I didn't, it didn't. I was like, well, I've already fought and had my nose broke. Had this happened to me, this happened. That's the worst it could be. Hell, I can, I can manage this to play in the NHL. And that's what I did. So, I think there's a lot of guys like that that have, like I said, they've paid a, a steep price or are paying it now yeah. to, to make an easy living, hard way to make an easy living. you got to have the stomach for it, and there's just not a lot of people that, that do. But all that being said, you realize, like, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup because they bullied everyone out of the playoffs. Like, And you can say whatever you want about how it's left the game or whatever you want to say, but there's no way a team like San Jose could have played seven. They were beat up that bad. And the St. Louis Blues put the puck in corners, and everybody was willing to do it every night. And that's why they won the Cup. They just bullied everybody out of the, out of the playoffs. That's a fact. Chaser, you're right. We do still see that physicality, but we don't see it in the manner in which we used to, the fighting, the, the enforcer mentality. As an observer of the game now, when you watch hockey, do you miss that element of the game? It's funny you say that because I do have a son that uh, has the ability to play, and He's they actually they just a shout out to the U18 AAA team who won uh, the Tier One championships in Blaine, Minnesota yesterday, and uh, we were up there and and those boys played their hearts out. They're going to be real sore here for a few days. <laughs> um, they they had to win some hard games and Brownie uh, Jeff Brown again was co- we got him back in the coaching ranks and uh, Brownie and I and Sam Canfield coached the group and it was so fun to watch. So hard to win, but then win in a national stage, you know. And I was thinking about that because my son's been in one tussle and, and it, it's a little under, it's more unnerving for me than I don't want him to be in a path where he, 
where he uh, has to do that for a living. Because, like I said, I know some of the some of the things that, but it, but there's a price to pay in everything you do. So if you're going to play hockey, you got to know you're going to be sore. You got to know that you're going to have some of those nights. And 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 yet there are times when I wish instead of the players, and I, I blame the players' association a little bit for this as well. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You don't want to have they, you know they complain while well, we. You know, we don't like what the call was or this guy was doing this and we want the league to take care of it and find it, but they'll skate up the middle of the ice with their head down and not feel like the accountability should be. They have the accountability now on the player safety people to take care of it, whereas that's not how it used to be. We used to take care of it ourselves and, and people didn't like the old, and they, you know, so it's a vigilante sort of attitude, but it wasn't like that. It was more of a, you know what? There are there were times where guys came up and they, and you was you know they would say oh another black eye on the NHL and then the seats would be full again the next night and you know it was such a crock of crap because it's uh, we got a little of that going on right now in Canada too where the squeaky wheels are getting the grease and it's not necessarily the majority but sometimes you just got to move on. Hey Chaser, I want you to indulge just one last thing here. Uh, when we talk about the old days and we talk about tough guys, nobody tougher than Shanny. Last game played at the old arena, and Shanny gets his mouth cut in the second period, but he's still a few penalty minutes away from being the first guy to have 50 goals, 100 points, and 200 penalty minutes. I want you to take us into the dressing room after the second period and then into the third with, with you and what you remember from Shanny that night. Well, I didn't actually know it was the last game in the arena, in the old arena. Yeah, yeah. But, last uh, regular season game. Um, yeah. Well, he just, he just, uh, he went out on the ice, and um, well, Kachuk, I think, was the guy that got him. Wasn't a big right. wall. Yep, it was. Uh, he got him with a stick in the mouth, and he came in, and uh, and <laughs> I walked in the stitch. We have like a medical room back there where you'd lay and get stitches if you needed them, and. He was laying there, and him and I lived together at the time. And so, uh, you know, we were <laughs> – I shouldn't even probably say No, you, I, I've we heard were, the story. Uh, you have we, to tell uh, it. We were young and single guys, and we were having fun. And and uh, he he's trying to talk, and his lip is literally split from – you know, like his top lip is split, like from, you know, the tip of his lip right up through the middle of his nostrils, up into his nose, right? And he's laying there, and he says, how about is that? I mean, he can't even talk. He's like, how about it? And I just looking at him and I started laughing and I said, let me put it to you this way, pal. Way more chicks for Chaser. (laughs) (laughs) He was, the language coming out of him is not the content for your air, but I was howling at him. Like, to think that we're sick enough to laugh at one another when our face is being peeled apart was just like, and then Shani came out. He was so pissed at Walt. He came out and went after Walt. The third. Actually, Shani scored. I think he scored two goals in the period. He did. And then, and we won the game two nothing. And I or, no two to one because Kachuk ended up getting a power play goal right at the end of the game when Shanahan came after him. And then Walt said something. Tell Shanahan I said thanks. On top of it all, and he was lipping off. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to get the big Irishman wound up for the next game you guys play. But, but I was all over him. I was giving him grief about it. And the best part about the story is, I don't know if you've heard this part of it, but Charlie Spoonauer wanted to meet Brendan Shanahan. And we were going to meet at Culpepper's in the Central West End. And so I was friends with Charlie, and I said, no problem, I'll meet with you. And so I got to Culpepper's, and I I said to uh, 
I seen Coach, and I say, hey, Coach, what's going on? He goes, wow, that was, you know how he talked. Damn, Kelly, that was a hell of a game. And he's going on and on with that Southern accent about, you know, I was down there where the snot flies, and that's got to be the best place to watch any sport. He's going on and on. He goes, well, it's too bad about Brendan. He goes, you know, hell, I wanted to meet him. And he's going on about, about meeting Brendan. I said, well, he'll be here. He goes, what do you mean he'll be here? Hell, his lip was laying on. I said, oh, don't worry, he'll be here. And sure enough, Brandon rolls in. He buys himself a beer. We're sitting in the corner. He doesn't see us yet. And he's holding his beer up to his lip, which is swollen up like past his nose. And Charlie Stuart says, I, he comes over and he says, well, I'll be goddamn. He said, you know, here I am. I got a bunch of these ball players that are weaker than cat piss, and I can't get them to play. And I got this Brendan Shanahan. Man, you're going to come to our practices, and you're going to tell these kids. And he's going on and on and on. And he looked at me and he goes, that's the damnedest thing when he went to the bathroom. And I started laughing. I said, well, it's a little different mentality, I'll be Don honest Valley with you. Sports. But <laughs> it, was pretty, it was pretty good, right? It's it classic, was pretty good. Classic. And and by the way, the kicker yeah. here is that Shanny did get into a fight with Dean Kennedy in that third period to get over the 200 minutes. So he became the first guy with 50 goals, 100 points, and 200 penalty minutes in the same season. Had that fight with Dean Kennedy with the, the lip all stitched up. It was unbelievable. Didn't he- didn't he fight with Kachuk in the in the game, or he went after him? For sure. He went after him after the high stick, but uh, yeah. uh, but got in the fight with Dean Kennedy to to get over the top, and and obviously wanted to do it. That was the goal that night, right? Well, I'm sure that he was saying, "Look, at there's you know he had a little sense of pride in it too. He wanted to be able to be in the uh, in the uh, tough guy column there too with us and say, "Hey, what do you mean? I had a couple. I can get in this conversation." And Twister and I would always kind of chuckle at him, but. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's there's plenty of stories about us that year, and and uh, we had a little tussle downtown that ended up resulted in me missing a few teeth. And uh, if I was going to pick a couple guys that I wanted to have on my side when when all hell breaks loose on the street, Brandon Tony Twist easily number one, but Brandon Shanahan is one tough Irishman. And I'll tell you something right now, I'd take him a hundred out of a hundred times. When it all breaks loose, Brennan Shanahan is a tough son of a gun. And on or off the ice, he's on my team for sure. And Chaser, you're on ours. We always love having you on. And I, I said before we went to the break when I promoted you, I said it's going to be story time with Chaser. So we always <laughs> love hearing your stories and appreciate your time. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Have a good day, guys. You too. See you later. Kelly Chase with us on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. 
What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.